In the name of God, undivided Trinity, one holy God. Amen. In that gospel, there are so many words, I found at least six homilies in it. And so, since I'm not going to preach on it, uh, I have a homework assignment for you. I want you to take your leaflet home and read the gospel and decide what you, what little passage you would use to preach a homily. And I'd like to hear about it, too. What I chose was, so let us not grow weary in doing what is right, so says St. Paul. I was sort of hoping it would be easy to do what is right, but his implication is it's not always easy to do the right thing. It takes some um, energy, it takes thoughtfulness, honesty regarding our own reactions. It requires vigilance to keep us from allowing the culture to lead us around by the nose and tell us what's important, that which is not important. Most of all, it requires the peace of Jesus Christ, who in today's gospel is sending out the disciples to serve as lambs in the midst of wolves. But he's arming them with peace, peace that cannot be lost even when they face rejection. We're in a time in our country where we need Christ's peace more than ever. And sometimes it's taxing to find a path that allows and shows the world our faith and models a different way of acting when we encounter division or controversy of any sort in our lives. I remember a moving story on NPR's This American Life. They choose a theme and have three different vignettes on the same theme. This week it was, a while back, know when to fold them, know when you've lost. It was told by a man, David, who had grown up in an evangelical church and as a teenager felt called to be a pastor. He went off to a the theological school and in that first year, as sometimes happens, he lost his faith. It just crumbled. The more he studied biblical history and scholarship, the more his faith diminished to nothing. Bill Moyers, the great man, said of his own seminary experience, I went to seminary to get my, answer, my questions answered. And when I got out, I had my answers questioned. <laughs> David went home after that first year at war with all Christians, particularly his family, still strong, practicing Christians. When he went back home for a visit with his family, he cut them all to shreds with his newfound knowledge and cynicism. And then the next day, he went out just with his dad for lunch, and he hoped to steer the conversation to some religious topic 
in order to pounce. Eventually, his dad did say something about church or Jesus, and that got him started. The young man proceeded to, on his tirade, discrediting and dismantling many of the doctrines that he felt held his dad's faith together. The virgin birth, the concepts of heaven and hell, miracles, the afterlife, especially the resurrection and others. All he wanted from his dad was for his dad to admit that David was right. His dad never interrupted. He listened to the whole tirade and then said, David, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of how hard you have studied and how seriously you take these subjects. All I know is before I became a Christian, I was miserable. I was about to divorce your mother and kill myself. That gave David a, a memory. He thought back to when he was six. His father had had a nervous breakdown. They were moving to start a new life and his dad was smoking cigarettes all the way. By the end of the trip, he finished the pack and he never smoked again. While that change was taking place on the outside, he experienced God's grace on the inside and it was the beginning of his conversion. Each mile was another small step. Each discarded cigarette was a symbol of a step towards a new life. His dad went on to say, here's what I know. I followed Jesus and the Lord gave me back my family. What a response. How disarming it was. That man modeled for me the best in listening, the best in parenting, and the best in authentic evangelism. For the dad, he had a living faith. It was rooted in relationship with the risen Christ, and it transformed his life. You know, we can also ask questions. Doubts can really be the seeds of faith. We, we increase in faith both in our heads and in our hearts. David concluded his story by saying he had not expected to lose so completely. <laughs> he folded his hand and he said, you just cannot argue with such goodness and decency and faith that shone through his dad. It stopped him in his tracks. He changed the subject. Oh, look, here comes the waitress. <laughs> As they drank their Sprite and ate their hamburgers, he thought, my dad didn't know it, but we were having communion. <laughs> How do we develop such an authentic faith? It's not rocket science, we know. It's simple but not easy. We love God by living God. We nurture our faith by doing what we're doing today, for instance, gathering together in community, 
for worship and communion. In our daily lives, we pray and nurture our minds and hearts with scripture and with other very rich writings. We find our ministry, our outreach, even if it is as simple as having lunch and listening and responding. Or as Paul said, take the opportunity to work for the good of all. God's love touched David's father in a dramatic way, but his faith would not have deepened or continued to transform him and to heal him if he hadn't changed his daily living habits. That's where it happens. As a young person, I heard a sermon by a very great man, Sidlow Baxter. He said something I've never forgotten. You become what you look at the most. We become what we look at the most, a rather frightening prospect when we consider the bombardment of negative discourse and violent images, both real and created, that surround us. It can become wearisome to keep ourselves un unsullied by the coarse and the crass that surrounds us. But it may be even more difficult to guard our own hearts from being swept into attitudes even as innocuous as snideness and sarcasm and bitterness that all lead to nowhere. The father in my story demonstrated an undivided heart. He was who he was all the time. David, by the way, did become a pastor. All of his cynicism and proof texting and attacking went up in smoke when confronted by a man who lived an authentic life that revealed the patient, humble love and peace of Christ. I hope someday someone might say of me, it hasn't happened yet, <laughs> you just can't argue with that much goodness and decency and faith. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we, the church, would be the sort of Christians that would prompt the world to look at us and say, wow, they're different. And you just can't argue with that much goodness and decency and faith. Amen.